when you're on vacation, you have a lot of time to reflect. You guys know what it's like, you're just detaching, and so my phone wasn't ringing, I wasn't running in the office, I wasn't checking emails, and you have all this time just to reflect and to think and to process just life. I enjoy being with my wife, enjoy being with my kids. It's weird. I, I know I've said this a number of times. I'm on, a, I'm on a countdown to when Logan's going off to college and life's changing and things. And so we're sitting there thinking, well, this is one of our last normal family vacations. And we were at Disney World and having a great time. By the way, Mickey Mouse said hi to everybody and had a great time down there. And uh, we're just goofing off and having fun. But my mind just going through like, I don't want to lose what I have. And I know my kids have to grow up and move out, and I don't want them being 35 in my basement, okay? I'm not that dad. <clears throat> but I, I, I like the connection. I like being part of their lives and all that. I, I like, let me just say, I like being a dad. I love being a dad. But I started thinking about the future of their lives. I started thinking about the future of the church. I started thinking about how things have changed so much. So this coming August, I will be here at Fellowship Baptist for 21 years. In 21 years, I look back, a lot of things have changed. A lot of leadership has changed. I know it's part of it, okay? I'm not, I'm not just saying it. Absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord, okay? But I also know that a lot of the leaders that I had when I first came here that spoke into my life and kind of led the ministries and, and trustees and, and deacons and people that had all the positions to lead everybody, God took them home. And I'm not, I'm not saying that in mourning because God has a plan for all of us. And when we're done with this running, this riot, race, God takes us home. I started thinking about this. And can I, can I reminis- reminisce just for a minute? Is that okay? I, I'm thinking the year and a half that we've had. And, and every name that I'm going to mention is people that have passed during the COVID season. Not of COVID, just I'm talking about the COVID season, the things that have happened. These are people that I had to go in and say goodbye. And sometimes it was from afar because of COVID. And sometimes I was able to stand right by the side as God took them home. And, but every one of these people, I was part of their lives. Think of John Alexander was a trustee in our church. He was a leader. He was a mentor in my life, a mentor, somebody that walked with me. He'd come in on Mondays and he would help count and do all the financial stuff that the trustees do. And while he was here, I remember a couple of times he would say to me, he said, uh, Tony, do you mind if I talk to you afterwards? And he walked into my office and he would just, he would just say, man, I thought of this and, and I was praying for you this week and something was on my heart and mind. I, I, I thought that somebody that, that was a big mentor in our lives and a good friend was Fred Kirk. And you guys have heard his story of how, how big of an impact he had on our church and how he, he went home with the Lord just a, a few weeks ago. And he was a leader in our church for 56 years. I told this story about how he's written me letters before. I, I brought one of them with me. I had it at his funeral service, and I'll save this forever. <clears throat> Spoke words into my life. He, he's been through some stuff. 56 years of serving in one church. He had a lot to pass on, a lot to teach. He, he went home to be with Jesus by teaching the word of God and he held his Bible in his hand. Literally on video, his last words were giving his testimony and telling people about Jesus. We showed the video here in our church of him giving his last <clears throat> testimony to the church. He taught me how to live for Christ. But he taught me how to die 
I don't know, that sounds weird to a lot of people. You're like, I don't understand what you mean by that. But he finished well. I thought how we lost Mrs. Denoff, the founding pastor's wife. She's such an encouragement in my life. Let, let, let me tell you, I, I, I could tell you the stories of how she was on the stage for 47 years at our church and how she led the choir and cantatas. And she, I could tell you all those different things. I could tell you how she, she, she was a good friend and I, all those things. But can I tell you some of the memories that stands out in my mind more than any of those? We went on a bus ride one time. We went up to Dear Dutchman and we took everybody from Young at Heart. And on the way back, she had an empty seat. I jumped out of my seat and went over and sat next to her. We just started talking about ministry because she'd been through some stuff that I'm going through, okay? And I was able to talk to her on a level in a way that I couldn't talk to everybody else. And I remember she said, Tony, there was some stuff that me and Pastor went through and this is how we got through it. And, and I remember this is something that God taught me and something that God showed me. But let me tell you this, I got off that bus differently than when I got on that bus, because of the time that she invested in those 30 minutes of driving back. Some of these people that I'm mentioning never stepped foot on the stage. I think of Letha Kinnaman that all the way up into her 80s, she, she would sit out in the lobby and she would, she would help all those kids coming into Bible school and she would, she would do the, the coins and the things that they do for the offering competition. And she would also lead the young at heart. So she's one minute with the kids and then the next minute she'd be with the singers and she loved both sides of it. That taught me something about ministry. Had a big impact on my life. I remember before she died, COVID didn't allow everybody to be uh, connected to her like we would like to have been. I called her up, just trying to encourage her, and she ends up encouraging me. And she says, Tony, this is all going to come to pass. We're going to have young at heart. And let me tell you, when we come back, it's going to be the best we've ever had. And I'm like, that's awesome. Here she is having all these health problems and everything, and she's, she's pumping me up for ministry. I started thinking about Margaret Walker. She's not a person that would walk on the stage. She's not one that would grab a microphone. But she was one of the most faithful people that I knew in our church and died last year. Before she passed, one of the last things that she said, and I didn't, every time I left her, I'd go to her house once a week, and every time I left her, I didn't know if it'd be the last time that I saw her. And I remember hugging her and telling her that I love her, and I was getting ready to walk out the door, and she, she started saying to me, she said, Tony, she said, can I just say this? I don't even know why it was her last words to me. She says, God has been just so good. She'd been in a bed for six months Six months without being able to walk. Six months without leaving the house. Six months without being able to get up and walk around her house. We had a man that knew her to our church, John Atkins. He was a good friend of me. John was diagnosed with cancer, and last year God took him home to be with the Lord. I remember one of the last times that I had to be with him, I was at OSU Hospital. And I'm standing there, and here is the doctors are giving him a diagnosis that they didn't know if he was going to bounce back from this. And I remember him just begin to just, doctor leaves, and he just begins to brag on God. I'm like, did you not just hear what he said? Things are not good. And his mindset was just, man, God is good, and God is faithful, and God has a plan no matter what. I thought of Bert Lawrence that God took home last year. I was driving home from Alabama. I was, went down to help my mom for a week, and while I was down there helping my mom, I, I had this long drive back, and my phone rings, and I was, oh, it's Bert Lawrence. Hey, preacher, how you doing? I just started thinking about, man, God's coming back. 
man, I know that God's coming back soon. And, and, and as I'm talking, man, he had me so fired up. And he said, man, I just started thinking of this and thinking of that and all this. And I was thinking, man, how cool it is that God in that idle time that I had in the car put it on his heart to call me, to encourage me as I'm driving home to preach that weekend. Jim Step, another man that God took home over the last year, he'd find me every single Sunday. He'd come up to me. He'd, he'd knock on my door when I was getting ready to come out to preach. He'd knock on my door. I know it was Jim. It was like clockwork. Open the door. He says, hey, young man. He'd just say the same thing every week. He said, are you preaching today? I said, yes, sir, I am. He goes, good. We walked away. He turned around. He goes, you do good. I was like, all right. I was like, it's just like, I, I need that. I, I'd wait for that door knock just because I needed that little bit of encouragement on Sunday morning. I thought, I thought of Perry Harding that passed away. He was his disciple of the picture that I had of him and standing right here down spot, uh, in the spot down here. And as kids would come forward during vacation Bible school, he would talk to them about, about Jesus and then he'd lead them out to the prayer rooms where they'd give their life to Christ. Two men, Joshua Felix and Wally Williams. Joshua passed this last year, Wally Williams a few years ago. Missionaries, he was the first missionary in our church 50-some years ago. God took him home this past year and a half. I'm just like, I mean, I don't know all these people. I want you to know who these people are. Do you know why I want you to know who they are? Because I would not be who I am today without them. Let me just do a survey. I, I mentioned about 11 people right now. How many of you in this room could say that you were impacted or touched by somebody that I just talked about in the last 10 minutes? Raise your hand right now. Look at those hands going up all over this place. You know why? Because their life mattered. They invested the things that they've been through. They invested the things that God taught them. They invested the things that they learned in other people. They didn't just take it and, and hold it to themselves. I started thinking about the impact that Pastor Denoff had on my life. I remember, and now I've been in ministry for about 21 years at Fellowship, but I remember when I first started, I'd never done a funeral. I'd never done a wedding. I've never done any of those things. Had my first wedding. He found out about it. He said, hey, he told Gene, have Tony come downstairs. Came downstairs. He said, what are you doing for lunch? I said, I don't have plans for lunch. And he says, get in the car. Let's go. He took him out to lunch. He said, grab a pad of paper. I sat at this table across from Pastor Denoff. He said, all right, here's where you start. And I remember just writing down as he sat there and explained to me how to do it. I remember another time I was getting ready to do my first funeral. He was doing a funeral. He said, get in the car. You just do this whole thing with me and I'll show you every step of the way. I'll show you how to do this. I remember one time I was discouraged and I was out in the parking lot and he drove past. So he said, get in the car. I don't know why he did it. I don't know why he did it. Just randomly drives past me. Tony, jump in the car. I got in there and he goes, how's things going? Things like that. He parked the car. He said, really, how are things going? So I don't know. It's weird, the transition between me and you. And there's some things that I don't know. That just, I, 30 minutes, he just poured his life into me. I would not be where I'm at today without these people. I would not be where I'm at today as a father. I would not be the, as, a, as a leader today. And, I, and I've got a big question. I'm, this is a big setup, okay? My big question, the thing that I'm asking everybody as I go through this, who's going to take their place? Who's going to take their place? You say, nobody can take their place. I'm not saying to be the next Fred Kirk. I'm not saying to be the next Pastor Dental. We're all created different in the image of God, but I tell you, we all have the same calling to pass on leadership and mentorship to the next generation. We all have that calling on our lives because we all can sit there in a church service and say, Man, I've been impacted by their life. But let me jump forward 30 years. Who would raise their hand because of you? 
Who's different because of you? Who, who could testify and say, I'm a better Christian, I'm a better leader, I'm a better father because of, would your name be mentioned? Now here's the thing, we all sit there and say, man, America's in a mess and the next generation needs Jesus and the next generation needs, uh, we're all upset. We say all this stuff all the time. I'm, I'm just gonna ask the question, who's gonna make a difference? But here, here's what happens is we get so upset we get so worked up about man i'm so proud of the heritage that we have and i'm so proud that we can look back and see the difference that people made and then somebody comes up and says will you be the next leader oh man i'm so busy oh i can't do that you kidding me like who's gonna do it then can we just talk about this on father's day of what it means to mentor now i I know we're talking about dads but really if we were to I I could take the word dad and put mentor and still be biblical in in, in what I'm preaching and teaching with this. Ministry continues. Because after Moses was Aaron. Because Moses invested in Aaron. After Abraham was Isaac because Abraham invested in Isaac. After Paul was Timothy because Paul invested in Timothy. After Elijah was Elisha because, do you guys get the point? After Paul was Timothy and we're, we're studying this the passage, and I'm just wondering who's after Tony. Who's going to, who, I'm going to tell you right now, who's going to come after me depends on what I do right now and who I impact right now makes a difference. Who are the new leaders? Who are the new impactors? Second Timothy 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. This wasn't his actual son. It was somebody that he mentored. Somebody that God brought into his life. Somebody that he walked with through life and the good, the bad, and the ugly of life. Paul was a great leader. He was a great preacher. He was an author, but he was a mentor. And maybe you're sitting there saying, isn't that all the same thing? It's not all the same thing. And I'll explain this. See, mentorship is personally investing in others. Discipleship and mentorship is God's plan to pass on leadership to the next generation. Let me say that again. Discipleship and mentorship is God's plan to pass on leadership to the next generation. Without discipleship and mentorship, we don't have future leaders. We have future messes. Now, let me just say this. I'm not asking if we believe this. Because if I was to say, man, how many of you believe in what I'm talking about right now? We would be like, amen, praise God, hallelujah, hey, that's what the church is all about, let's rise up. But, but if I was to ask how many of us are doing this, it'd be a different question, it'd be a different response. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking future now, I'm, I'm thinking about what God has set up. And he says in verse 3, are we setting up the next generation? Because he said, I thank God whom I serve from the, my forefathers with a pure conscience. It's a cool verse. He says in the middle of this, he goes, I'm Paul. And then he says, you're Timothy, verse 2. And then in verse 3, he says, let me just say it like this. I am so thankful for my heritage. I thank God for my forefathers. And he's going back talking about those from the Old Testament and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And he's talking about those that have left the example and stood up and preached to men. I'm so thankful for Pastor Denhoff. I'm so thankful for Fred Kirk. I'm so thankful for Margaret Walker. I'm so thankful, so thankful for them. But can I tell you the rest of the verse? 
Can I tell you what, what he said after that? He said that without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee, of Timothy in my prayers day and night, night and day. Paul looks back at his Christian heritage, but then he looks forward. He says, without ceasing, I have remembrance of these in my prayer. He says, Paul, I'm pray- or Timothy, I'm praying for you. Paul looks back and gives thanks, but he looks forward and he says, I've got a job to do. I've got an investment to make. I've got a responsibility. Our future depends on these principles. So let me, let me walk you through 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and talk about this. Because our future depends on this. I'm talking about at home and in ministry. Number one, ministry starts with you. Notice how the Paul begins this passage. He says, Paul. Man, you can't get any more simplistic than that. He says, Paul. I'm Paul. Then he says, can I describe myself? A few weeks ago, I've been doing this sermon series. I did this sermon series on our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ. Paul says, I know my identity. He says, Paul, listen to this, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. I am a representative of Jesus Christ. How did I get here? Because God called me to do this. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. It does not start with Timothy. Paul starts saying, I know who I am. I know what I'm here to do. I know who's called me into this. I'm an apostle. I represent Jesus Christ. I live by the will of God. Now, I'm telling you this. A lot of us live by our own will. This is what I want to do. This is what my life is all about. I'm going to ask you this question. Do you know who you are? And by the way, who you truly are represents by what you do. And sit there and say, well, I'm an apostle, or I'm a disciple, or I'm a follower, or I'm a... No, no, stop. Whatever comes out of your life is truly what you are. See, Paul was writing this, but then Paul later starts describing all the things that he did in his walk with God. Let, let me put it like this, and I'm just being real and transparent. How, how would your kids describe you, dads? I mean, focus, it's Father's Day, I can do this. Dads, how would, how would your kids describe you? If somebody came up to him and said, tell me about your dad, and then you got 60 seconds, tell me about your dad. How about a coworker? If I went to your job and asked a coworker or your spouse and said, tell me about your husband. 60 seconds. Oh man, my, my husband, man, he is a hardcore Buckeye fan. And I tell you what, when it comes to golf, he, he can put, and finances, man, that guy knows finances. He works so hard. He pays the bills. He, he makes sure that the cars are running. I mean, all those are great things. But I don't want that being the, 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 the forefront of what I'm recognized as my life. I think of the leaders that I mentioned. Describe Fred Kirk. Can I describe that 56 years ago he held his Bible, was teaching 56 years later he was doing the same thing. Literally passed away with his Bible in his hand telling people about Jesus Christ. I thought about <clears throat> Mrs. Denoff of how she was on her deathbed and She'd lay there and sing songs. The stories about Mrs. Denoff is, even in, in her last days, she would call different people just to invest in them and talk to them. And people that got out of church house, she was pulling them back in the church. Thought of Perry Harding when he passed away, and the family was asking us who was the last people to see him. And they said, nobody saw him on Thursday. And I said, well, well wait a minute, we saw him Wednesday night. They said, what? They said, yeah, Wednesday night. Then they said, Wednesday night, well, that was the last people to see him. I said, well, that's crazy. They said, what was he doing? I said, oh, he was leading a Bible study. I, I, I was at the pulpit. He was one of my group leaders. He had a table right 
<clears throat> to my left, and as he sat there, he poured just, just the word of God into that group and then left and said, Pastor, I'll see you on Sunday. You say, what, what, what are you explaining here? All these people, <clears throat> it's who they were. Paul was saying in 2 Timothy 1.1, Paul, an apostle, Jesus Christ. My identity is Jesus Christ. In Philippians, he wrote this, and I love this, descriptions of him. He said this, he said, for me, listen to this. Could, could we say this as dads? Could we say this as moms? You say, what is your life all about? What is your future all about? What is your parenting all about? For me, I can't speak on behalf of everybody else, but I can speak on behalf of me. For me, to live is Jesus. For me, to live is Christ. I, I, I'm not the best dad. I'm not going to say that by any means. And I promise you, I have a long way to go. And I know there's a lot of pastors and people that are, they, they can be one thing in the pulpit. They can be a jerk at home. And I, and I know that people are people and, and pastors are people and deacons are people. But I wanted it to be said in my life that my kids can say, my dad was the same at home as he was in the pulpit. I, I want my kids to be able to say at my, my funeral, my eulogy, as they stand up to speak, to say that my dad loved God. My dad had conviction. My dad, my dad, the theme of my dad's life was Jesus Christ. I don't want it to be, well, we went to church. Well, whip de doo like, okay, so we went up and went to a building. So we were religious. So we went through the motions of it. But I want to know on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, did you live out Jesus? For me to live is Christ. It's everything. It trumps everything. Here, look, look at this. The second thing. Mentorship starts with you, but mentorship is a personal investment. He says in verse 2, he says to Timothy, my, delivery, my dearly beloved son, is personal, sincere. He, he didn't say to the church of Philippi. He wasn't saying to the council of Corinth. He wasn't saying to the deacon board or whatever. He literally says in that passage, Dear Timothy, I think of the letter that I got from Fred Kirk. I, it's, it's Pastor Tony. Let me tell you some stuff. Let, 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 let me make a person. And, and the reason why I bring this out is we have plenty of corporate events. And I think sometimes we're so wrapped up in the corporate, go to church, go to church, go to church. And don't get me wrong. You should go to church. You should go to church. But this is a leadership thing. What we're talking about with Paul and Timothy is not happening right now. So if you're writing this office, like Pastor Tony's mentoring me right now. No, Pastor Tony might be preaching. He might be leading, but I'm not mentoring right now. There's a difference. He, he, we have plenty of corporate events, corporate services, co corporate programs and classes and all the things that we do. And I'm not even saying that mentorship is a program. It's an organic thing that happens in our lives. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, what he's about to say right here is talking about, I'm doing what I'm doing because of the will of God. Then the next words out of his mouth is, Dear Timothy, dearly beloved son. It's a personal connection. I thought about Jesus. None of us would argue that Jesus was the greatest teacher and leader, and what he did changed the world, literally, flipped the world upside down. He'd go out and preach to the 5,000, that's just counting the men, so with women and children, like 10,000, 10, mega, mega groups of people. There was times that he spoke to the hundreds, there was times that he spoke to the disciples, there was times that he spoke to the twelve. 
But if you ever notice that a lot of times that it mentions, it mentions Peter, James, and John. Invested in the individual. Invested in the few. He walked with them. He spent time with them. Notice what this looks like. And I know sometimes we're like, okay, we do that. Let me show you what it looks like. Notice what he says in verse 3 about investing in them through prayer. He says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience. Now notice the impact. Now I'll be honest, when I first did this, I ran right over this verse. It didn't impact me like it did when I went back the second time. Listen what he says to him. He says, Paul says to Timothy, without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Now how cool is that? Now, now listen to what he says. He says, Timothy, I want you to know that without ceasing, without stopping, because I have a connection with you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just lay this out there. I promise you that I, there's people in this room that you'd say, Pastor Tony, I pray for you. And I appreciate that, man. Keep up the prayers. I need your prayers. And I appreciate that. But I'm going to say the people that are closest to your life are the people that you're going to have this type of prayer life when it comes to. Without ceasing, I can't get away from this. You're constantly on my mind, and when I pray, I have remembrance of you. Put it in an application. Night and day, this is what he says. Paul, or Timothy, man, without ceasing. Man, I, 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 I bow my head, and I'll start praying. I'm praying about life, and I'm praying about the church that I'm at. I'm praying about this, but dude, I can't help it. You come to my mind, and I begin to pray for you. Imagine something like this. Dear God, I know Timothy's going through a lot right now because he encourages him to not be afraid. God, I know that he's going through a lot right now. And God, I pray, Lord, for my little brother in the faith. I pray for this young man that you'll give him, that you'll give him the words to say today. And God, help him to be a man of God. And God, help him to be a good dad. And, and Lord, I know that he's talking to this girl and I know that you're working in his life. And God, I'm just praying that you do amazing things in his life. And that night he's praying again. Man, you brought this back to my mind. It's not the crowd. It's not a corporate thing. It's a dude that God brought into his life to make a difference in his life. And for every one of us, I'm telling dads, that this might not be the crowds and it might not be the classes, but it ought to be your kids. We're being real and honest. We drop the ball a lot when it comes to our prayer life. We do. We're so vague. God, be with my kids today and help them to be good. You know, it's like, I've mentioned this before. I'm so glad our prayer life isn't like our ordering at Outback. It's like, bring me something good and make it delicious. He's like, we don't do that. That's our prayer life with God. Lord, thank you for this day and make it great. You know, it's like, but man, when I'm praying... When I'm ordering it out back, man, I'm specific about the type of meat that I want and how well I want it cooked, the side, the dessert that the bring me. We're so specific. Paul was literally mentioning here, man, I, I have remembrance of you in my prayers. Man, God has worked on my heart. I'm, God, be with Morgan as she grows into the woman that you want her to be and be with Logan as he goes off to college and be with Jordan as he works his job and be, be with my wife as she goes throughout the day and help her to be a mentor and all these things. What are you doing? It's, I'm, I'm, I listen to this, spiritually speaking, I'm telling Timothy, I'm telling Jordan, Logan, and Morgan, I'm telling those that are in my life, I've got your back. Man, with whatever you're facing, I want you to know that you're facing some tough stuff, but I'm standing behind you, talking to the Father, the one that has the power to make the difference. I've got your back. Tell them. Who do you pray for in that way that you can literally say, I'm praying for you. Man, I lift you up in prayer. 
And I know that you're going through some stuff, young man, and I know that you're facing, but I've got a connection with you and I've got a connection with God and I bring them together through a thing called mentorship. We invest in prayer. We invest in time. Greatly desiring to see you, he says in verse four, being mindful of thy tears that I might be filled with joy. This was, this was a connection. He starts talking about your tears. He said, last time I was with you when we had to say goodbye, man, I was, man, we were upset. Man, I had to leave you. It was, it was breaking my heart. Notice this. You say, well, what, what did they talk about? Now I'm talking, guys, listen, a lot of you, I don't tell everything that goes on in my life. I, I share stories and illustrations, but I don't tell you everything. But there's people in your life that you need to be transparent with, open up with what's going on in your life. You, you need to, how many of you have gone through some really crazy stuff that God, God brought you through and God did a miracle in your life? Raise your hand, testify to that. Man, hands are going, what are you doing with that story? What are you doing with it? You, you see what Paul was doing in this passage. Is it was like, man, I've been through some really tough stuff. And listen to what he says in, in 2 Timothy 3.10. He says, but thou hast known. He said, listen to this. He said, Timothy, you already know all this. Listen to what he says. You have fully known my doctrine. You know all the things that I know about God. He said, you know my manner of life. You know how I get mad at tra- in, in traffic. You, you, you know how I get frustrated when they don't do my drink right at Starbucks. You already know all this stuff. You, 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 you know my purpose. You, you fully know my faith. You fully know my long suffering. He said, you know my patience. He said, you know my love. You, you know my charity. He said, you know my persecution. You know these things. Because he invested in everyday life. Let me tell all the older generation, how many, how many here have been saved for longer than 10 years? Raise your hand right now. Man, that's, that's, that's two-thirds, 75% of the people in this room. Raise their hand. I've been saved longer than 10 years. That I, I hope this is true. If I can say this, if you've been saved for 10 years, you've seen the provision of God. You've seen answered prayer. You know, there's some people that have never actually seen God answer their prayers. You say, why is it? They're, they're brand new Christians or they don't know how to pray. You know what's important for the people that have been saved for 10 years? To go back to the people that have been saved, put your arm around them and say, God answers prayers. How do you even know that? Let me tell you a story. Let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you how God works. Let me tell you about a time that we were so financially broke that I didn't think we were going to make it. Let me tell you about a time that when we first had kids. And let me tell you about the time that we got the report that my kid wasn't doing well. Let me tell you. That's what Paul was doing here. He was investing time. He was saying all this. I'm, I'm asking you this question. Who are you mentoring? Who are you personally spending time with to develop as a leader? I'm not asking you your title in this church. I'm not asking you how long you've been here. I'm asking you, what are you doing with what God is giving you to, to, to raise up the next leaders, to raise up the next generation that's going to continue the church when Fellowship Baptist Church celebrates an anniversary in 2050 if God doesn't come back before then? Who will continue the work because you invested in them? Mentorship starts with you. Mentorship is personal investment. And mentorship is speaking truth. Let, let me explain this. I'm going to tell you guys, and, I, and I, I, I told you a minute ago, we did the survey, how many of you guys have been through stuff? And a lot of us have been through stuff. You realize that every one of those experiences that I've been through and every answered prayer and every one of those things that God did to show his faithfulness to me doesn't belong to me. 
Remember at the beginning, it's Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. By the will of God. God says, Tony, everything that I brought you through, it's, it's to invest in others. It's to invest in your kids. It's to invest in the future. It's, it's not for your own. And <clears throat> sit there and say, oh, I'm too busy to mentor. I'm too busy to be involved in anything. You're too busy, okay? Can I just say you're too busy? Your, your priorities are out of whack if we don't have time to invest in the next generation in this way. I, I, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly in life. I've been saved for a while. I've learned some things through the experiences that I've been through. If you've been saved, you have been too. But here's the key. Paul had a connection with Paul in such a way to speak truth into his life. Can I tell you guys what ends up happening? We don't speak into other people's life until we get irritated. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I can't believe he's doing that. Those young people today, it's like, let me give you peace of my mind. There's no respect or communication or connection there. None whatsoever. <clears throat> Can I say this, by the way? The older should always be teaching the younger. And that even applies to our teen class. And I love our teen class. But let me tell you, the senior high should be mentors to the junior high. And every one of our lives, if, if, if you've been raising kids for 10 years, you have an obligation to help the people that are raising kids for the, in their first year. If, if you have grandkids, you should be teaching the, every, every one of us that there's a, there's a trinkle effect that should be happening, that we're passing on what God has given us. Why? Because it doesn't belong to us. It's a stewardship thing. I'm going to tell you, and I've used different illustrations. If Pastor Denoff, Fred Kirk, or John Alexander would have come to me and said, Tony, I'm going to tell you some things that you're not going to want to hear, but I'm going to shoot you straight. I would have sat down and listened. You know why? Because I had a relationship with them and a connection and respect with them. We're not going to be speaking truth into other people's lives when we sit there and we're disconnected from their lives, but we want to be all hands-on when there's issues and we want to just vent and, and, and share our opinions about things. This is a letter from a mentor to a young man. And he says in verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Now, I love this because what he's doing is he's cheering them on. And I, I can't tell you guys how important this is. And I mentioned the junior high and the senior high, but how, how important it is that everything that we do, that we're, we're Jesus first above everything, above Buckeyes, above golf, above jobs and future things. It's, I'm, I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ above all these things. And in my life, that should show, that should come out of my life, that should come out of my influence. When I'm around other people, I should always be pointing them to Jesus Christ. Paul said to Timothy, he said, man, I see this unwavering faith about you, dude. He goes, man, I'm, I'm telling you. And I'm sure Timothy's probably struggling a little bit. Like, man, I'm, not, I'm nothing like Paul. And I struggle with this. And I'm, I'm not near the leader that I can be. And he's writing this letter. And he says, I just want you to know that I see God working in your life. We're quick to point out the bad in people's lives. You guys know what I'm talking about? Man, I want it to look like that. I want to have my hair like that. I want to, we just point out our opinions all the time. But you know what Paul was doing in that passage? Saying, man, I see something in you special. You know how we're so quick when it comes to our kids to like, man, you really, you did great on the ball field today. And man, your grades are awesome. And man, you're going to get that scholarship. And man, you, did, you, you know what I'm talking about? It's all the things in life. But what I'm asking is, how good do we do to say like Paul did to say, man, Timothy, I see a faith in you, dude. That is just really unique. Cheer them on. Let them know that you're behind them. He says this, he, same, the same subject matter. He says, wherefore I put in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. He, he, he's, 
He said, man, I see this passion. I see this spiritual gift. I see what you're doing. And he said, man, I mean, I, I, I want you to see you develop that and that come out of your life. My mom would not remember this story to save her life. I promise you if I was asked my mom, or maybe she would, I don't know. I remember I was a young kid. It was elementary school. And um, we didn't have a bus that went out to the area of Alabama, the house that we lived. So my mom had to go um, pick us up and drive us to school and did that every day. So she dropped all of us off, and I didn't feel good. I genuinely didn't. It wasn't one of those things that I was trying to get out of school. I really did not feel good. And I remember I was on my uh, way into school, and I went back to mom. I said, Mom, I don't feel good today. And she could tell that I didn't She said, go ahead and come home. She says, I don't want you going to be in school. And we had like a 20-minute drive. And I don't know why in that moment mom looked over at me, and she said, Tony, I really believe that God's going to do something amazing with you. She said, Tony, I, I, I just, I've been praying for you, and I know that God has a special plan for you. And I'm telling you, for most people, you'd be like, oh, that's no big deal. And mom's talking. But I'm telling you, in that moment, my mom was talking so serious and connecting to me that I thought, wow. And, I, and I'm, I've told you guys this before. I've gone into my mom's room, and she had a bathroom off to, uh, of her room and right there in the master bathroom. And I, I went to knock on the door and I heard mom talking to herself and I thought, that's really weird. Mom just sits in there and talks to herself. I know we drive mom crazy, but this is ridiculous. So I, I just paused for a minute and I could hear my mom on the other side literally calling out every one of our kids' names and prayers. She, hide, she had to hide in the bathroom to get away from five kids to be able to pray. And she'd just go in that room and she'd pray for us. So let me tell you, when my mom in that moment says... When I pray, I've been asking God to do something real in your life, and I believe that God has a special plan. When I got to the point, now I'm being serious. I'm not just trying to come up with a cool illustration. When I came to the point of surrendering the preach, and I battled with that because I didn't think I would ever be good enough or whatever. Do you know what God brought to my mind and my memory? God spoke through my mom when I was a kid, and those special times and the speaking truth into my life, to be able to know that confirmation that God maybe does have a plan for my life. What you say matters. And if all of our talk all the time is nothing but sports and life and TV and Netflix and golf and everything else, they're, they're, what are we stirring up? The things that God, and you, you say, man, I wish my kids would do something for God. I wish they would, I wish they would use their talents on the stage. I, I, I wish they would be actively teaching because they have that gift and ability. I, I, I wish they'd be out front doing things for the glory of God. Let me ask you as a mentor, are you stirring that up in their life? Are you? Because I'll tell you, Satan will stir up every carnal thought that they'll ever have. What are you doing to counter that? To stir up the spirit of God. To stir up the gifts of God. God created them for the will of God and for the plan of God. And let me close with this. Talking about speaking truth in their life. Just point them to their purpose. Paul said this. Let me go through these verses real fast. He said, for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of sound mind. Now start putting the pieces together because we quote that verse all together all the time. But think about what he's saying in that thing. He starts pointing to a purpose. He says, he says Timothy, he says, God didn't give us fear. Hey boy, what are you doing backing off? See, when you have a connection with people, you have a connection to your kids and you're pushing them and stirring up the will, will of God and the plan of God in their life. When you have that connection, you can speak truth in them. God did not make us afraid, son. He says in the next verse, look, look at what he says. 
He says, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Dude, you be bold. You stand up firm. He said, I'm telling you, God has a plan for your life. God's going to do something amazing in your life. He said, I'm telling you that God, God wants to do something in your life. He says in that last verse, who had called us and saved us with a holy calling, not according to our works. All of a sudden, Timothy's sitting there saying, man, God wants to do something in my life. Can I illustrate this? Bryce, come up here for a minute. Can I tell you how you, we fail? Listen, let, let me just wrap it up with it. This is how we fail. Parents, I know I'm, actually, I'm old enough to be your dad, aren't I? Let's, man, let's not talk about that. <laughs> it's like, why'd I bring that up? <laughs> this is how we like to do parenting now. This, I'm serious, like, well, kids should be in church. Go to church, son. Be in church. It's like, you, you should do good and you should, you should love God. You should use your talents and stuff like that. We, we like pushing them out there. And then, this, is our, this is our parenting style a lot of times. It's like, did I hear you cuss, boy? Blankety, blank, blank. Don't do that again. Do I say not as I do? Let me just put a big fat label on you. Hypocrite. I said, oh, that hurts. Well, I'm speaking the truth in love right now. Okay, so hypocrite. Do as I say, not as I do. That's what our parenting style. And then we wonder why. Man, I don't know why my kid's messed up all this. I don't know why he doesn't want to go to church. Maybe because you don't want to go to church. It's like, go to church with your mom. Oh, that's going to do it. Be a good dad. What do dads do? Man, lead by example. Where are you? Get off the couch, dad. Get up. Serve God with your talents and abilities. Show them what it means. Paul was like, you fully know my problems. You know what I've been through, man. Here, here's another example. It's like, and this is, this is a good one. Sometimes it's us out front. Man, we, we, we have the positions and authority. And this is even what I do as a pastor is the leadership where we'll be like, man, you can do this from the pulpit. Man, God's got a plan for your life. And youth pastor, man, God's going to do something good. Go to camp and man, God, God, God's going to convict you and change you. And usually you've got a special plan for your life. And that's preaching and that's leadership. And we need that too. But that's not what Paul's doing here. That's what Paul's doing. Hey, son, I see something real in your life. And I know God's doing something. You know, the other day when we went to that service and I spoke and then you got up and testified, dude, there was something real in that. Let me tell you, you know, that girl that you're interested in, he's married, this is an illustration. (laughs) I want you to keep your eyes on Jesus through all of that. Because Satan would do anything that he can to get you off track. Let me speak some truth into you. I've seen the other day how you got so fearful. Before you got up to speak, I want you to know that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. But of power, of love, of sound mind. Do you guys see the difference? It's not, do as I say. I mean, this is what we need. This was Fred Kirk in my life. This was Mrs. Denoff in my life. Pastor Denoff, John Alexander, Margaret Walker. Could go down the list. God took them home. And by the way, Bryce, you're going to be stepping into that. And then God's going to bring somebody else into you. And then that's going to be a senior high student. And I hope they understand from getting it to you that there needs to be somebody else. And that's going to be a junior high student. And that junior high student, I hope you understand that God's going to give you a little brother, a little sister, and that's the will of God for you to mentor them and point to Jesus and cheer them on and teach them the truth and live by an example. And you say, what does that do? It gives us a future. 
to make a difference.